Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. The U.S. Small Business Administration estimates there were about 1 million small businesses in Pennsylvania in 2015. More than 52,000 of those businesses are in Lancaster County. According to a 2015 report by NerdWallet.com, more than a quarter of those businesses are owned by women, making Lancaster the 10th best city in the country for female entrepreneurs. Now, we'll be discussing cultivating and promoting women-owned businesses and entrepreneurship not only in Lancaster County, obviously, but throughout central Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania. We'll be talking with our guest in just a moment, but sometimes it, it helps to be lucky. This program has been planned for a few weeks now, and uh, just so happened that uh, President Trump and Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau met yesterday, and one of the topics that they discussed was women businesses and women-owned businesses and entrepreneurship. We need policies that help to keep women in the workforce and to address the unique barriers faced by female entrepreneurs, and they are unique. We need to make it easier for women to manage the demands of having both a job and a family. And we also need to make it easier for women entrepreneurs to get access to capital. And I guess pretty much all entrepreneurs, we have to help them out because the system is not working so well for entrepreneurs getting capital, but it's in particular difficult for women. Whenever I sit down with a woman executive, I know uh, that she has had to overcome significant barriers uh, that, that exist and therefore is uh, likely to have um, you know, greater insight into help, uh, help reduce those barriers for others, uh, but also be a, a formidable <coughs> Uh, contributor to the success of, of the business and, and uh, her economy. You get the sense there were a few camera people in the room, but uh, we got to hear the president and the prime minister and uh, what they had to say. Joining us on today's program, Jessica King, executive director, and Melissa Baez, director of the Women's Business Center, both with Assets, a Lancaster-based business development organization, and Patricia Robinson, owner and CEO of Evolve Training and Development, an organization that supports aspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. Well, when the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Canada get together and talk about uh, an issue like this, obviously it's, it's very important. So, you know, they identified, even in their short remarks, identified some of the challenges that uh, women entrepreneurs are facing. And we're going to talk about those, those throughout the program. But I'm curious to hear your observations. I mean, you see this every day. What are your observations about women start women starting their own businesses? Any any trends that you see? Sure, we've seen that um, at assets, just an increasing number across across the country. The data is pointing to women actually leading the way on starting new businesses. So we see more and more women entering this space uh, and succeeding in this space. Um, so that's definitely been a, a trend over the last number of years. And we've especially seen women of color uh, really leading the way in that space as well. Now, when you say leading the way and that there are more women, be a little more specific. What do you mean that uh, there are women entrepreneurs leading the way? That they're they're starting more businesses. They're adding more net new jobs. Um, some of the stats that we uh, have are around from between 1997 to about present day. Um, African-American women-owned businesses grew by 258%. 
I mean, they uh, were way ahead of the curve in terms of the number of businesses that were started by African-American women in this country. Trish Robinson, you're nodding your head, and you work uh, mostly with uh, minority women, uh, African-American women in particular, but uh, why is that? Why are uh, so many women of color uh, starting their own businesses? I believe it's economic development. Um, the homes are now filled with women that are just single, single, um, single women home. Sorry, single parent, single yeah. <laughs> parent um, homes. So it is that is contributing to the fact that they are seeing that they have to empower themselves more to get out and make. Um, take care of their family. So they're getting out there and they're starting their own businesses with the hopes of that they can be successful. However, because of the way things are structured, it is so hard for women-owned businesses to be able to be successful, to thrive. You know, they're they're finding themselves um, struggling to to do what they need to do to make an income for themselves. Why? So while they want to, well, one of the reasons is capital. You know, they're not being, it's not very easily easily accessible to minority, minorities in particular, but minority, women's, um, minority women also. It's hard for them to be able to find um, a bank or lender to, to say yes to them um, because there are so many different aspects of how to to get a loan and you know there's so many curves and leaps and jumps you have to go through in order to be able to sustain a loan and we're going to talk about those things but something you just described uh, you know and we've talked about this many times uh, when we're looking at our culture our society our economy but you know there are challenges for uh, women who are you know, single parents and have children to begin with, even in finding a job, let alone starting their own business. Absolutely. I mean, that seems to be the, the hurdle is even higher at that point. Yes, yes. The, you know, the way things are set up, it's when you don't have the right resources or you're not you're not familiar with what you can have or what you can do, it makes it that much harder. So it's imperative that we make women aware of what their resources is and what's available to them. A lot of times it's what they don't know is what stagnates them from moving forward. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Melissa, you're going to jump in. I just wanted to add to that as far as you know, becoming successful and having the right tools and the setup in place, the pathway to access capital, there are a lot of barriers in place. Women don't know the education piece is is a huge barrier. Okay, well um, give me an example. So business plan. If Absolutely. you want to go to the bank and receive a loan, there are certain things that are in place um, or they need to see that you're going to be a less of a risk to invest in. So how do you do that? You have to prove that your idea is going to be worth the investment. As a startup, it's a little bit harder to prove if you don't have those numbers in place, if you don't have proven results. Um, and as an entrepreneur, that's just a setback in itself. So now, as a woman taking the time to put that plan in together while having to feed her family, um, work, find or find a job. I mean, those are a lot of responsibilities and trying to kind of balance and manage all those factors. I would say too that there's, if you're looking at this from kind of a systems level approach, women, like as recently as the 70s and 80s, women could not access capital without it being guaranteed by her husband. Absolutely. So like that is not recent history. I mean, right. not that is not distant history. That right. is recent history. Right. That is. Does it like, still happen? Um, I don't think it still happens in that way, but mm -hmm. I think um, women, we, we may not have the same level of barrier that we had 
you know, 30, 40 years ago. But those systems, I think, linger and have a long impact on, you know, so women don't have as much um, experience, you know, having their own uh, bank loans or mortgages or, or doing those kind of things on their own, on their own terms, in the same way that men have historically. And so I think it's just something to acknowledge that that is not that long ago, um, that our financial systems did not give women the same level of access. Is it changing at all? Oh, I think the access think so. is definitely changing. Yes. But it's still about um, the the number of women who, um, who access this capital. I mean, some of the stats that we have. So... On average, women start their businesses with half the amount of capital that men do. They use half the number of bank loans that men do. And they re receive less than 3% of venture capital. And so a lot of the growth that we see in our economy, a lot of the tech economy, is all about venture capital. And women are just not at all in that space. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So it's, it's challenging for women to feel like they are that they can get in a game because they already think, well, you know what, I don't have the necessary tools to compete with the other counter, with our counterparts. So it makes them stagnated. It makes them stuck in thinking, well, I can't achieve it because I don't have what I need to be able to do it. I don't have the capital. I may not think I have the mindset. And so what they do in terms, they give up. And so we don't have that. They don't, they don't have, they are not empowered enough to, to take the, on those risks. And, and being an entrepreneur is a risk, but it's dedication, it's determination, and it's also finding out what's available for, for yourself. You know, Trish, you used the word, and you've used it a couple times now, empower. I'm curious, um, I, I'm sure there are a lot of women who like to hear that word and um, maybe haven't even thought of that, that uh, this does empower them if they can start their own business, be their own boss, you know, hire people, do all these things. Uh, but women who are entrepreneurs, uh, you also said earlier, you know, you talked about some of the reasons that women start their own businesses. Is it more that they want to be empowered, that they want to be their own boss, or that they have good ideas? They said, you know what, I, you know, I could start my own business because I have a good idea here. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think they create this idea. Because we all, we, we get ideas every day. It's what we move, if we move on those ideas. And I think, because I talk to women all the time. I train women on being entrepreneurs and starting the process. What's the first step? The first step is having a vision, having a purpose, and then ha planning it out. So, yes, I think it's all about, first, I'm, I'm empowered. I want to have my own. But at the same time, I want to be able to sustain my family. Um, and, and knowing that you have something that you own that's power that's power in itself so I think we just have to get them to the point where recognizing that you can do it but here are some steps to get you there and oftentimes there is going to be some barriers there's going to be some obstacles and hurdles that we got to jump through but if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have this this creative mindset or idea to bring and share with with people then okay how do I do it and that's what's next kind mm -hmm. of thing. Uh, Melissa, you're director of the Women's Business Center in, in, in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. And uh, talk a little bit about the Women's Business Center because I mentioned ideas. I know that you have women who come to you with just an idea and nothing else, but then you also have women who are much further ahead, have those business plans, have looked into the research and done their due diligence, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So talk about uh, what you do and those who come to you with the idea and say, here's what I'd really like to do, sure. and then the kind of questions you ask. Yeah, I mean, 
It's exactly that. We have such a range of individuals that come in through our doors from someone who is so solid that they're, they for sure know that their business idea is going to work. Um, but what they lack may be the full understanding of what it takes to make that idea into an actual successful business. Um, so what we're trying to do is kind of um, help them with that learning curve um, by teaching them the, the steps, the, the practicality and uh, the feasibility of their idea in the marketplace. Is it are the customers going to want to buy it, you know, the product or the service? Um, and sometimes they realize, okay, when they crunch the numbers, that it's just not going to happen. It's not worth it right now. Um, or maybe they need to tweak something in their idea. But what we try to do is get them to really dive in before accessing that capital and realizing that once they have that money that their idea doesn't work and then it's a higher risk. We want to make sure that they look at their idea, try it out at a low level, see if it catches, and then see if it's worth their time and energy to really invest. So I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the businesses that uh, are more po the most popular now that women want to start? The most popular? Mm -hmm. We do have restaurants. Well, you know Lancaster. It's, right, right. It's hopping right now. <laughs> restaurants <laughs> but, popping. But up. actually, starting a brick and mortar restaurant. Yes. Right. Um. Actually, food trucks has been a super popular one. People want to start small. Mm -hmm. So, um, and want to see if you know their, um, their meals or their unique, um, the piece brand. of their menu mm -hmm. and their brand will catch on. So. Um, whether they start at the at the market, central market, or the food truck as a starting step before they, they think about brick and mortar. What is the most unique business idea? Then, I mean, and, and, um, I don't want you to divulge any secrets or anything, <laughs> but something you said, I never would have thought of that. Well, we actually had um, a mother and daughter go through our program last year and, and actually won, uh, I think it was like third or fourth place in the social enterprise pitch. Um, this young girl wanted to start or build a prototype of a collapsible breast pumping station that you can put into any type of office space. Um, she had an experience where she had a baby and was working at, a, I think it was like an AT&T or a Foot Locker. Um, and it was one of those kind of stories. Yeah, she was working somewhere. She was yeah. working somewhere. Yeah. And there was just no um, comfortable, clean space where she could um, breastfeed um, and pump. It was inside of bathroom. Mm. So she, you know, that's just Nobody unsanitary. Wants to do that. No one wants yeah. to do that. Mm -hmm. So she thought about, well, why don't I just build a collapsible space that um, companies could either invest in and take it out, put it in whenever there's a staff um, on board that might need that that space. That sounds like a, she could get a patent on something. Yes. That's yes. like an invention. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's working on it. Yeah. 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 Is she really? That's awesome. yeah. She is. Yeah. So that's not only being an entrepreneur, that's being an inventor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have a phone call here from Ann Dieter Gallagher. Ann is, uh, has her own business. Uh, she's a CEO and owner of Dieter Gallagher Group LLC. Ann has been a guest on our program several times. Ann, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you, Scott? I'm Hello, doing, ladies. Hello. Hello. I'm doing well. And, I, you know, I, I talked to Ann before the program today, and I just said, suggested she give a call just to talk about uh, some of her experiences. And your business has become very successful. Maybe we should tell everyone what your business is. What do you do? Oh, sure. 
I started a uh, marketing public relations firm in 2000. So I'm, uh, you know, excited to be in my 17th year. But I love hearing uh, the ladies' stories and insights because I didn't really uh, know where all those resources were back in 2000 when I started. And it's certainly easier, you know, for my big idea to bring a big idea to market when it's a service versus a product like Mm -hmm. a restaurant owner Mm -hmm. where you have a lot of capital tied up in, you know, uh, buying things or preparing food and uh, leasing a facility. Mm. So what were some of your experiences? I mean, I, I think this is good that we get to hear your experiences because it has been 17 years. Well, I think I love the conversation. Certainly the number one uh, concern and barrier, not only for women-owned businesses, but all entrepreneurs or uh, small business owners, is access to capital. Now, in the early days, you know, I've, uh, my family jokes about it. I started in my bedroom office, and I'm mm-hmm. not kidding when I say that. <laughs> So I did not need uh, to access capital uh, probably about two years in, so I got an executive line of credit, and that's certainly easier to procure than a commercial real estate loan, which I got two years ago. But uh, I have to give a shout-out here to anyone who's listening and to the ladies in your studio, to the community bankers. Those are your first line of defense for when you bring your idea to market. Mm -hmm. You want to get a meeting early and often. Uh, You know, someone, I'm going to shout out uh, a good friend, a client, and and my banker, Patty Husick. She's a female CEO. She absolutely understands what the barrier to entry is for small business and and being a female uh, in business. So connect with your community bankers so they attach a face with your idea, and they will certainly help you uh, acquire all the necessary documents, business plan, uh, and they'll challenge you, well, you know, maybe this isn't, this portion of your finances or your projection isn't ready, you know, for my loan committee. Here's what you need to do. Hey, and certainly, go, go real, real quick, um, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about uh, in the next portion of the program is uh, that balancing family life and your business as well. And I know that uh, you have, I don't know, today would you be considered a large family, uh, have a son that uh, is an up-and-coming uh, country music star. Uh, so how did you do that? Well, I, uh, I came to my business ownership at the age of 40, so I'm a non-traditional person because I wanted to be the captain of my own ship. So I off-ramp for 15 years raising uh, our three sons. So I came to this, uh, like I said, at age 40, when I had a little more freedom, you know, uh, nobody was in daycare or or, uh, needed the type of attention that a very small child would. But it still meant I had to excuse myself from meetings to make it to wrestling matches. You know, I had to drop off lunches uh, at middle school. Um, you, there is no have it all, and I've, I've frankly, I'm, I'm not quite sure there is work-life balance. But you do the best you can, and we women are very good at, you know, balancing a whole lot of uh, responsibilities. And Dieter Gallagher is CEO and owner of Dieter Gallagher Group LLC. And thank you very much for calling in. Thank you.
We're going to talk more about some of the issues that, that Ann raised right there and some of the advice that she gave as well. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We are in the midst, actually we are coming down to the wire, I should say, of WITF's 2017 Roses campaign. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And for those, and I'm not going to call them procrastinators, but uh, for those who did wait until Valentine's Day, you still have time. That's right. Fred Vigent, WITS program director, is here to tell us all about it. But, Fred, it's not very often that you can wait until Valentine's Day itself and still get roses delivered. Right, for uh, for central Pennsylvania delivery. Uh, right, right. Uh, we, can't, we can no longer guarantee delivery so anywhere in the nation. Is out. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, anywhere, Carlisle, Shippensburg. Uh, Lancaster, Lebanon, anywhere across uh, South Central Pennsylvania uh, that Royers has a presence and they uh, can make a delivery still today by the end of the day today. And this is our annual Roses Campaign, one of our annual fundraisers on WITF 89.5 and 93.3. For a contribution of $100 to WITF, you can send a half dozen red or rainbow roses. Uh, a contribution of $125, you can send a dozen red or rainbow roses and uh, to either of those you can add a little teddy bear to it for ten dollars more and then there's also the uh, two dozen roses in a vase for a contribution of two hundred fifty dollars so we have a number of volunteers ready to take your call if you um, if you're still finalizing your plans for Valentine's Day and you you would like to have roses maybe delivered to a restaurant that you're eating dinner at tonight. Maybe something I like that like, idea. Like that. Uh, really wow someone uh, this evening with roses and have it all planned out. Uh, make the contribution right now at 1-800-233-9483 or WITF.org slash roses. Fred, we also should mention, also should mention that... Uh, uh, Yes, it is Valentine's Day. We have a lot of fun with this campaign and, uh, you know, talk a lot, a lot about relationship, romance, those kind of things. But it also is a fundraising f campaign for WITF. Mm -hmm. And if you appreciate Smart Talk, for example, and a conversation about uh, women entrepreneurs, then, you know, not a, this is kind of a win-win. You're supporting your public broadcaster as well as, you know, sending those roses to someone who probably will be surprised and will appreciate it a great deal. Absolutely. 1-800-233-9483 or WITF.org slash roses. Fred, we'll talk to you in a few minutes. Okay. We are talking about uh, women entrepreneurs, starting uh, women starting their own business. Join us today, Jessica King, Executive Director, and Melissa Baez, Director of the Women's Business Center, both with Assets, a Lancaster-based business development organization, and Patricia Robinson, owner and CEO of Evolve Training and Development, an organization that supports aspiring, aspiring entrepreneurs. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at w. WITF.org. You can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page. Also on Twitter, we are at Smart Talk WITF. Again, that phone number, 1 800 729 7532. Now, I want to go back to what Ann Gallagher had to say when she called in. And she mentioned a couple of things there. She talked about community banks and right away get involved, getting to know your bankers. And uh, she also talked about balancing family life. I'm going to discuss that in just a moment. But the part she brought up about getting to know your bankers, Trish, what do you, what do you think about that? 
Well, I think that's key. I think that's um, crucial because relationships is important. If you build a relationship with um, someone that you are looking to do business with, they are more unlikely to say yes to you. So I think it's imperative because you get to know what you need to do. Even if you're not ready at that particular time, they can kind of walk you through and tell you what you need to to be ready, how to prepare for when that time is right for you to um, maybe get along with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jessica, we know that uh, we went through a tough time about eight years ago, uh, maybe almost nine years ago, where credit was tight for everyone. Uh, banks weren't lending as, as often as they were before, maybe not as often, but I should say they were doing a little more research into to their uh, who they were loaning to to make sure that uh, that loan was going to be paid back. Has that changed at all? I mean, are, is credit more available specifically to women? We have not bounced back to pre-2008 really? levels, like not even close. Um, Lancaster-based Community First Fund is a, a community a community development financial institution. They do lending um, in lower-income communities to people of color, to women, um, really making sure to get capital into um, communities that have had less access to it. And they've tracked some of the lending in this region, in the, in the area that they work in central Pennsylvania. And um, it's remarkable that the levels of bank lending and even community bank lending um, have not bounced back to pre-2008 levels. And part of that, as I understand it, is really about increased regulations. Um, at least that's what a lot of bankers that I talk to uh, talk about, that they have more regulations um, facing that and more risk that they carry. So they're less able to extend that uh, to the community. It, it's it's. It's definitely a huge concern, especially for folks who are coming into into business ownership without um, wealth. Honestly, if you're if you're not coming into this, there's some really interesting statistics about the the money that it takes to start a business. I think the average is like thirty thousand dollars to start a business, and if you don't have that, um, we talk about the friends, family, and fools mm-hmm. as the as the three kind of most common sources of capital for people who are starting businesses. And if you don't come from access. Um, to capital through your family, through wealth that you've created, through equity in your home, whatever that is, you need to be able to access that kind of capital from another uh, source. And if those sources aren't lending, absolutely. But but something you said very early on, and all three of you tended to agree, that we are seeing more women entrepreneurs, but if the money is is tighter than it was even eight years ago, and you said we haven't, we're not even close to being back where we were. That must make number one make it much more difficult. But how are women then getting these loans, getting access to that capital? I think, frankly, they're bootstrapping. Yeah. So people are basically lifting themselves up. This is the frame, the the you know the saying: lift yourself up by your bootstraps. People are literally building businesses with what they can. They're anything that they make, they plug back them. into it, and yeah. so that they're not necessarily starting from a position of strength or a position to grow or scale their business at the pace that they could if they'd have access. So they're building with with what they can, with basically what they can scrip and save. And creative. They're being creative. And one of the things, because we have access to the Internet and so awesome how we can reach a bigger audience, that's what we're using as a way of um, helping and support 
and gather income, whether it be a GoFundMe account or something that will be easy for people to say, okay, yes, I will support you. And then going to their family members and friends and say, hey, uh, I'm in need of capital. I'm starting a business and this is what I've done. And if they are, um, they value what you're doing and they're, they're on board, their likelihood they're going to say yes to you. And so that's how a lot of women uh, businesses are starting from the, like you said, bootstrap, you know, starting from the basics, but and then building upon that. So being creative in how you can raise capital, it's the key. If but, you don't have it. But, Melissa, there are programs. I mean, you're part of one. There but are programs that uh, that help, right? You see a lot of initiatives that are popping up um, throughout the U.S. right now. You have the Women's Business Center. Um, there's over 115 women business centers that are, uh, you know, in partnership with the SBA that are in place to help women build business plans, to help train them, and to create that pathway so that they can tap into the, the capital. Um, you have other initiatives that are studying um, the trends and the behavior patterns and what is necessary for women to come out of the, or to overcome those barriers, such as the 10,000 Women Initiative that was um, uh, a huge study that was done with uh, in partnership with Babson and Golden, Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of movement that's happening right now that are studying, that are um, creating the pathways and empowering, as you were saying, Trish, earlier, um, women to kind of get ahead and to um, kind of close that gap of the education piece on how to. But when you hear the president of the United States say and that, you know, we, that women businesses, and he also added uh, that all, both men and women, need to, to, to get more access to capital. Yeah. I mean, there has to be reason for optimism if that is something that uh, the administration is going to take on, right? Mm-hmm. That's very encouraging. Yes, yeah. It is, because the community is first, and you can't build a community if they are in dire need, if they're you you have to empower them to say wow we we can strive you know we don't have to struggle so i think by uh, president trump um, hard for me to say that but president trump regardless of uh what we think about him the what he's trying to do in terms of building you know entrepreneurs is great because that's what sustains the community that's what makes the community grow that's what make people get excited about what they're doing and and and, and the only way to do it is to have that empowerment in, in in the community so i i i, I guess i agree with you let me take a, a question here from nicole in york nicole you're on the air hi scott hi Hi, ladies. Hi. Good morning. Um, so, I'm from New York, Pennsylvania, and uh, my business partner and I, she's a, she's a woman too, and we started a business nine years ago, and we ran into some of the same issues that you're talking about. We didn't have access to capital, so much so that my husband and I sold our house in order to have our startup capital. Wow. Wow. Uh, so we've been in business for nine years now. We have 37 bounce houses. Two trucks, three trailers, a dunk tank, um, 30 employees. We still can't get capital. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what is your business? <laughs> what, what is your business, uh, Nicole? So we have Atomic Bounce. Um, we deliver bounce houses to people's backyards. We um, do corporate events. In fact, we've done uh, WITF's yes. uh, Ready, Set, Grow event. Yes, which is always successful. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we have all kinds of fun stuff, but even now, when we go to a bank, they don't look at our business plan. 
they don't look at what we have done and grown because everything we've bought, we've bought on our own. We haven't had any loans, none. What What's keeping you from getting the loans? So when it comes to do we pay a business bill or do we pay our personal bills, we always choose our business bills. Mm. Mm. So, so if things are tight, we pay for the business stuff so that that is always safe. But our personal credit is not always um, yeah, a great reflection of what's going on in yeah. the business. So it's a, it's a balancing act. It, it, <laughs> I don't know that balancing is quite the right word. Because <laughs> uh-huh. sometimes it feels very out of balance. Yeah. Well, I, I would you call your business successful? It sounds that way with that many employees and uh, what you're doing. I would say that we, we are fairly successful at what we do. Um that we work very hard for it, but it is very frustrating that no matter what we do, it seems like um, if we want to grow, we're it's always self-reliance. Mm. Well, hang in there, Nicole. Th- <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, now, all three of you raised your eyes when she said that they sold their house. That's real confidence in your idea and, uh, you know, what you think a, a successful sacrifice. business will be. It really Huge is. Sacrifice. Huge commitment. Jessica? Yeah. Um, I, I really applaud her and, and her efforts. And I mean, I think that's, I, that's what excites us when we get to work with entrepreneurs every day because it is, um, talk about the American dream. I feel like entrepreneurs are are the people who are leading the way with uh, a deep sense of, of spirit, of risk, of, of thinking of ways that they can make their community better and their lives better. Um, that being said, yeah, credit is a huge issue for, for many, many people. So one of the things actually that we've developed at Assets kind of in tandem with the Women's Business Center is um, our lending a lending program that's uh, called Lending Circles that are their credit building microloans that essentially help people build their credit and do credit repair while they're accessing small amounts of capital and building a pathway to be able to get traditional amounts of financing um, from other entities as they build business history, as they show and essentially document things in a way that a traditional lender would be able to approve, um, and essentially building more of that runway so that they're able to access traditional capital. So that's one thing that we've developed locally in Lancaster. We're actually looking at uh, expanding that into Reading. We've had some conversations in York and Harrisburg as well, so we could easily see that being more of a regional program. There's definitely a need for it. Absolutely. Um, And that's also a a program that is supported by the Small Business Administration with the U.S. government. So again, back to your comments about the president um, tapping into this and saying that this is a priority, it is really encouraging because we see that this kind of work isn't being done in the private sector. Banks aren't doing it because they're not taking big risks and they're not doing small loans because they can't, it, it's, there's no business sense in it. It doesn't make enough money. So their, their business model is much bigger banks mm-hmm. and much safer loans. And so if you're not doing those kind of deals, who is? And so, honestly, we're doing that kind of work with the support of the Small Business Administration, and we'd have a very hard time doing it without it. And so I'm very encouraged by hearing that there's a priority there because there really is economic opportunity in starting business, and there's economic opportunity not just for the business owner through self-employment, but also through the people that they hire and that they're committed to hiring in a local economy. So small business is truly the driver of job creation oh. in this country, like without a doubt. Uh, and sti- without support for it, without be able to, being able to grow those businesses. That statistic I gave uh, in the introduction that uh, Pennsylvania has about a million small businesses, 90, or excuse me, uh, businesses, 
98% of them are small businesses. Yep. So, you know, the great majority of them. Let's take another phone call from Heather in Harrisburg. Heather, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I would just offer that the previous caller not give up. Maybe she's talking to the wrong financial institutions. Um, I know of a particular bank um, that begins with the letter I, and I have a friend that works there that has helped me with my small <laughs> business loans. And they're basically kind of saying, hey, we will help small businesses, and we want you. And they actually have, like, a program and um, that kind of thing. I think that you just have to keep pushing through. Nine years, I understand. Um, the thing that kills me in this area the most is the gas taxes. Uh, um, being a small business, having um, nine trucks, and we're on the road constantly, mm. and then you have the increases with, you know, just registering the vehicles. That has really killed me this year. And, you know, Pennsylvania says they want to support small business. I say put my money where your mouth is because <laughs> that's how I really look at it. Thank you so much. Heather, thank you very much for your call. But, you know, Heather brings up a point there just with the, the last comment. Yes. Uh, not just for women, but for any business owner, any, any entrepreneur. There are things that are unpredictable. Right. Gas prices, and she talked about the registration of the vehicles. There are costs, and when you are on a tight budget, yes. when you are on a tight budget, that could make or break absolutely a, a small business, right? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it's um, it, it's imperative, and I like the, the the comments she made in terms of telling the, the caller to to keep trying, don't give up, because yes, that's the key to to not to not give up on yourself. She's um, made a huge sacrifice, her and her husband, for, for the business. And I think that to give up now, that it will be, you know, discerning for her. Um, credit is, is, is essential. You know, you, there's, you can't balance it. You either have good credit or you don't. And if you don't, you have to make some adjustments to make sure that you get it. Uh, so I, that would be my suggestion to her. Oh, I don't think she's given up. She's no, sounded I think pretty, she determined. Like she's pretty yeah. determined. Yeah. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about uh, businesses started by women, women entrepreneurs. Our guest today, Patricia Robinson, who is owner and CEO of Evolve Training and Development, an organization that supports aspiring entrepreneurs. Jessica King is executive director and Melissa Baez, director of the Women's Business Center, both with Assets, a Lancaster-based business development organization. If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You can leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at Smart Talk at WITF. All right, let's take another phone call from Mandy in Hanover. Mandy, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I am a small business owner in Hanover, Pennsylvania. My husband and I own two um, businesses. We started them approximately six years ago. However, when we started them, due to the fact that I was coming from being laid off from a corporate job, um, I approached with the business plan. I approached with self-funding, which I had saved from being in the workforce since I was 15 years old. Um, and I still was denied the ability to start my business with banks without my husband being willing to sign on because he was the, um, at that point in time, the sole breadwinner, even though I was walking in with in excess of $40,000 in cash in hand, um, and banks wouldn't even, they would not even talk to me unless my, my husband was willing to be part of my LLC and form my business. So I think it's increasingly frustrating that even when you go the right route, you know, I have a bachelor's degree, 
I have two very successful businesses at this point, but I am still continuously shut down because, as your caller Nicole said earlier, um, it's not so much that you can even come in and say, look, I have a proven track record of success here. I've grown a business over years and years and years. You know, they, they look at, oh, well, you know, your debt to equity with your, your husband and your family. No, 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 no. Take those things out. I've built my business. My business is successful. I wouldn't have signed with an LLC with my husband if it had been an option. But unfortunately for us, it wasn't because I was not gainfully employed, even though I was walking in with cash in hand. Mm. Um, and so it's just, it's very hard because you talk about this balance, but you can't have a balance if you don't start from balance. Mm -hmm. And I think mm. for so many of us, there you, you don't get to start from balance. You get to start from stereotypes and you get to start from, you know, hurdles and mountains to climb over as opposed to doors that just open. Mandy, and I think that's very frustrating. Mandy, thank you very much for your call. Uh, Jessica, the point she brings up, and I think we're hearing it from, uh, you know, several of our callers here today, she said she had $40,000. Mm -hmm. I mean, I raised my eyebrows when I heard that coming in. But uh, let me push back for just a moment. You know, Banks, insurance companies, I mean, there are a number of financial institutions out there that are in the risk business. Mm -hmm. And they are looking at it as, okay, are we going to get this money back? And especially since what you talked about earlier, that not making it back since 2008 from the recession. So, I mean, the, the banks probably have formulas to go by and everything else, but she talked about stereotypes. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that part of it? I believe so. I mean, I frankly am sitting here thinking you should have a panel of bankers on the show sometime and talk I about their should. risk tolerance. Probably should, yeah. Because uh, I can't speak for them. I mean, I speak from a, a position of seeing people who are denied access. And so uh, it is tremendously frustrating because there is, you know, I heard from another bank the other day that it's not about them not having enough capital to lend. It's actually them having enough relationships and um, pipeline and risk tolerance to make those loans. And so I'm not saying that banks should take inordinate amounts of risk because you have to be able, if you can't maintain a business model, so be it. But I think you're going to see that the research clearly shows that community-owned banks are able to take a higher amount of risk or do take a higher amount of risk, finance more businesses and finance um, more people from the community at a rate that, that corporate banks don't. I think that's just part of the part of the formula. Mm. Linda McMahon, who is uh, the Trump administration's, uh, one, one of the cabinet uh, nominees, has, has talked about, uh, and, well, the whole administration has talked about regulations, and one of the areas they've looked at, at is the financial institutions. So we'll have to follow that to see if that's something that, uh, you know, they're talking about rolling back some of the, these regulations. I want to get on to a, a couple other things. Uh, Melissa, one of the, the, the challenges that uh, there are women entrepreneurs, uh, what they face is networking. Because most of the time when uh, a woman who is a business owner walks into a room, she's going to be outnumbered greatly by a number of men. And let's face it, that support system can be very helpful to anyone starting a business. What about that? How much of a challenge is that? Um, I mean, we talked about relationships being one of the key um, factors in being successful in business <laughs> other than just access to capital. So 
If you, again, if we just look at the circumstance right now, you have women that are working one or two jobs, and, and that could be literally two jobs, or that's working one job and raising a family. And you're trying to balance out that with networking and all these other components into becoming a successful business owner. So what are the challenges in that? I mean, you're, you're a solo entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, carrying the burden of all these issues here and then expected to continue to network and build these businesses with other people. It's just a lot to carry. Um, and also looking at the times. I mean, we see one of the biggest issues here um, is you might have networking events happening in the evening. Well, as a woman who ha- who's raising a family, what do you have to do after work? You have to either choose, okay, do I come home and cook for my family, or am I going to go to a networking event? Um, so we talk about sacrifice. Absolutely. Um, and what, uh, trying to determine, you know, how to make that decision is a huge, it's a huge issue. Trish, one thing I want to ask, because okay. the last few minutes I wanted to, you know, try to touch on a, a few different topics here. Okay. There are women who, when they walk into that room, and there are mostly men, they change their personalities. They think that, okay, I've got to be more aggressive here. Mm-hmm. I've got to be tougher. Absolutely. And then they, you know, I've read accounts where women say, I don't feel like I'm being myself in a, a situation like that. It, doesn't women have to be tougher in this situation? No, I, I don't think so. I think that you have to own your own, your own space. And regardless of who's in a room, you work the room to how you feel you work the room. I think... Women, I believe, at least the ones that in my social media, are more um, have the ability. They are more in in in, in tune to in, into themselves, knowing who they are. And if you know who you are, you know how to work a room. You'll be able to be confident in yourself. I think there is no balance in in everything that we're trying to do as an entrepreneur. There is no balance. You just have to figure out um, how you can work it, how you can manage it. And I, key, I think key when you have a family is to talk to your family about what you're doing. Let them in on it so they are they feel it. And so they're part of it. And then they're more inclined to say, you know, mommy or, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that because of because of us. So make sure that your family is involved in that conversation. It's mm-hmm. a sense of integration. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the things that we started um, or that we're just starting right now, Scott, starting in um, the spring is a women's business accelerator. Uh, our business at Assets has really been about helping to start businesses, not necessarily working with existing businesses and helping them grow. But we'll be starting uh, an 11-month-long accelerator focused on women's businesses that are already established and already profitable. We don't say how profitable they need to be, but we want um, them to be businesses that employ people so that those women can get together and actually like talk to each other about what they did. Okay, where did you get your capital? Where did you get your financing? What was the piece that really helped you accelerate this part of your business? Um, how they can basically help network with each other within those circles. Because honestly, there just aren't that many established, profitable women-owned businesses, especially in this region. And we need to see more of that if we're going to get anywhere close to parity. Like we said before, women are over 50% of the population, but only own about a quarter of the businesses. Uh, I hate to limit you on this, but I am limited time-wise, Jessica. just saw a story in LMP, Lancaster newspaper this morning, that said that uh, uh, if the Affordable Care Act is rolled back, uh, and you know, there's not a replacement right away, that this could have a real impact on women entrepreneurs. It's a huge impact. And so I think part of what we're seeing with the ACA is that it actually increased the amount of entrepreneurship in this country because entrepreneurs were saying, I can't take that risk. 
I'm going to keep my job solely because of the health benefits. Absolutely. Because I can't do it on my own. Yep. There's no excess. And mm-hmm. ACA provided that. So our policymakers really need to figure this one out because it will stifle the growth of small business if we can't figure out how to do health insurance. Jessica King and Melissa Baez with Assets of uh, Lancaster. Patricia Robinson is uh, with Evolve Training and Development. Thank you very much for being with us today. Good conversation. Thank, Thank you, Scott. You. And uh, we are coming up on uh, the end of uh, our Roses campaign here on WITF on this Valentine's Day. Fred Vigent joins me again. Fred, we only have a couple more hours where right. uh, we have uh, those who have waited to Valentine's Day to send out some roses. Yeah. Or if you want to look at it as supporting WITF. But uh, tell us what, uh, what we can do. Well, you have two hours um, to make a donation uh, as part of our uh, very successful uh, Roses campaign. And this is uh, one of a few times we come to uh, ask you to help support the programs, whether Smart Talk or 1A coming up at 10 or Here and Now or Fresh Air, all the programs that are part of your weekday routine. They're here for you, and they're here because of you. Your support makes them possible. And for a contribution today of $100, you can send a half dozen red or rainbow roses to someone special or to a group of people. Perhaps you want to send uh, some roses to an office today um, just to recognize people that you think have made a great contribution or something important or you know have done some some good service to the community that you'd like to recognize you can do that for a contribution of 125 dollars you can uh send a dozen roses right now it's only throughout the uh, the central pennsylvania since it is same day delivery we, we're no longer able to uh, guarantee that we could send it to alaska today that's mm. not possible maybe <laughs> a woman entrepreneur Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, say thank you for uh, starting a business, creating jobs. But we just don't want women. We want men in there as as well. Anyone. Anyone. (laughs) You know, one of the the keys here is surprise. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, just think of the the surprise, that uh, the joy that you'll bring to uh, the recipient of of those red roses or rainbow roses. And, uh, you know, a number... To, to choose from, but uh, you know, this is a big day for a lot of people, and uh, uh, you, you probably, as you said, Fred, we have until noon where mm-hmm. the roses still be delivered. Might get late in the afternoon, and the husband, the wife, the girlfriend, the boyfriend uh, may say, Well, I guess I'm not going to get roses. And then they're surprised. <laughs> they're surprised. A big smile comes to their face. The joy that you bring. That's true. One eight hundred two three three nine four eight three. Make you know help s- spread some joy across Central Pennsylvania today. One eight hundred two three three nine four eight three. Or you can go to witf.org/roses. We have some volunteers that came in to donate some of their time today to assist you with making that last minute uh, donation. But uh, th- we are to the final two hours of our campaign. Uh, we started this a few weeks ago, just had the on-air camp- campaign begin on Friday because um, we had a largely successful off-air campaign uh, to lead up to this. So, And uh, Friday through today has been very busy, and we're very grateful for everyone who has made a donation so far in contributing 
uh, to all the great programs that they rely on on WITF. Very important to see in here. And we'd like to uh, see your uh, support come in next at 1-800-233-9483 or WITF.org slash roses. Fred Vigent, thank you very much for joining us today. Sure. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, Fred mentioned 1A. I have a conversation with uh, Joshua Johnson, the new host of 1A. Also, we're going to be talking about medical marijuana. You know, that's uh, something that's new here in Pennsylvania. We'll get kind of a status report on that.